Hey, this is Robert. You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast, and joining me this evening is Kat Kalin and Rudy Lindsay. We have a special guest with us as well, and that's Mark Yano from a racing team, but he's a former Marine, so we're going to get into his background here in just a moment. We want to talk about something that piggybacks our last podcast on team building and we thought it'd be really cool to talk about teamwork when you start thinking about the racing industry it's very much like the military in in that everybody seems to you know have an individual role and a responsibility and if they don't function together as a team obviously you're not going to win the race so mark you know a lot about this having not only being the driver of a race car but you're also a ceo of a racing team Right. Yeah, no, there's definitely some experience there, but uh, we have a great team around us and a lot of good people who actually have a lot more experience than I do. So you got to have a good pit crew. So when I found out that you were racing Porsche, I I was blown away. Do you guys get these kind of stock cars and bodies and stuff, or do you have them uh, that you're actually building the mold around it? So how does that kind of work? There's about 40 race cars that are shipped in from Germany. So this is not your typical, you know, let me go to the car dealership, buy a race car, unless you're going to take it to the track for, let's say, a club event where you're going to go with a bunch of people and they rent a track out and you do something like SCCA or PCA, Porsche North America. These are actually full-blown race cars that are gutted out. You know, Porsche is very unique, unlike Ferrari and BMW, is that Porsche actually builds the race car down to the consumer, where a lot of the other cars like BMW and if you look at the Ferraris, Uh, They will actually go from the consumer and then go, hey, let's go racing. So Porsche has a whole different way that they do things. But these cars are full-blown race cars. They're about 2,200 pounds. And let me tell you, they they hold track. Porsche, unlike any other car, is very hard to drive because it's rear engine. It's mechanical grip. So it's all about trail braking through the turns. It's not just about going fast. It's the opposite mentality than driving a pickup truck. For those that are not familiar with the IMSA racing, what is it? What kind of style of track do you guys do? And where are those tracks typically found? So we race like the Formula One type track. So if you've been to Austin, Texas and been to Circuit of America, uh, if you're in California, maybe you rode on uh, Laguna Seca. If you're up in New York, there's Watkins Glen, which has a lot of history. I mean, you know, NASCAR. some of the first Formula One tracks were, you know, 1948, where they used to race up there and even through the streets. Right. Then you have Sebring, Florida, which is a historic track. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, old old military base, believe it or not. And uh, now it's, uh, it's a racetrack. But they say if you can race Sebring, you can race any track in the world. That's actually where a lot of foreign countries will ship their race cars for testing, you know, you got concrete, asphalt, you got totally different changes of apexes out there. So that's a um, that's a really good track. So there's about eight locations that we race at, and uh, we do two 45-minute sprint races at each one of those locations. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. So what got you into racing? Because your background is the Marine Corps, and after that, what was it that you were doing that got you into the racing scene, or was it while you were in active duty that got you in the racing scene? So... About four years ago, Lori and I were invited to see the 24 hours of Daytona. And uh, our cars, you'll take half oval, half inside track, half oval. Uh, Unlike NASCAR, which runs all the way around the oval, uh, these cars are going through the middle of the oval, slows the car down, but it gets a lot more turning. When we were standing up against the fence and after they had the flyover, and this, of course, was before uh, sequestration and furlough when there actually was flyovers, 
the sound of the jets listening to 200,000 people, the roar of the cars starting up. Uh, I looked at Lori and I said, you know, there's not one car doing one thing here for the military. And uh, through the last 10, 12 years with our government business, we've done a lot in the way of giving back and philanthropy. And, you know, we, we there's so many nonprofits out there. There's 48,000 of them. Which one do you truly know is helping? Which one uh, is really giving back? So uh, we've given tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars through the years in helping the military during the transition period of the wives and children. So I said, you know, <clears throat> we're going to race. Uh, we're going to start up a race team. It's called Circuit Racing. We're not going to sell a product through the car. It's going to be a platform. And uh, look, I never raced a day in my life. Never went karting. Never did any of that. I walked into the Porsche Hospitality Suite and I said, who is the highest ranking person in this room? him, her, it didn't matter. I met this gentleman who came out and I said, listen, I'd like to buy one of your race cars and uh, I need to know how to drive it. So he looked at me kind of like the movie, uh, the movie Taken and he says, yeah, good luck. Well, <laughs> listen, there's two, two problems with that. One, you don't tell a former Marine no, and you surely don't tell a former CEO it can't happen. Right. So, uh, you know, three weeks later, I'm on the phone with the CEO of Porsche. I've become very good friends with him. Even oh, wow. today, I told him our story. I said, look, we want a car as a platform. Uh, we want to do this for America and a way to give back. Um, so it was uh, it was pretty amazing. We've met him about three months later. We walked into this motorhome in Sebring. These guys knew more about me and they did their homework, which I was very impressed with. And uh, within two or three weeks, they said, they called back and said, okay, we'll sell you one of our race cars. And now I was like, well, who's going to teach me how to drive this thing, you know? So we flew in some of the best drivers from Monaco, from uh, Europe, from Germany. I mean, we just flew these guys in. We trained uh, every other weekend, and we spent hours and hours in the race car. Did you do the uh, double seat well, thing? We, we did a double seat yeah. uh, only during the initial training phase. But the interesting thing is that when we hired the the pros that would come in and teach me how to drive they would never sit passenger seat so they would always drive i would sit passenger seat uh and that's really kind of the rule of some of the professional drivers i mean i could tell you that even today when i teach some friends how to drive or they want to get a track uh, i'll drive but i will not sit passenger uh there's just a lot of risks there and you're on the edge sometimes so uh you got to know where where to balance that out. Sure. So, uh, you know, four years ago, we uh, we took eighth place. Uh, we took fourth place uh, our second year. Last year, we took second place in the series and the gold masters. So, uh, you know, but listen, the, the, the real podium wasn't taking second place. The real podium was what the car is doing and what the mission is for circuit racing. You bet. And, uh, you know, we our first year in, we gave back three three hundred thousand dollar mortgage-free homes to three different service disabled veterans with two of our it's it's truly amazing rudy when you think about these three military families married children never owned a home before uh we vetted it out for a year and at that time we worked with uh, operation home front wells fargo went through a big process i then got introduced uh what she had heard about our race team is the former sergeant major of the army uh jack tilly so Jack Tilly calls me up and says, hey, Mark, you got a great program. I'd like to make some introductions for you. And of course, he was already retired out of the Army at that time. So he introduced us to uh, Kaplan University. Uh, we met with Kaplan. They loved our program. 
They're very big supporters of the military, but how do you get that message out? And what what you have in motorsports is corporations, obviously, selfishly, of course, marketing, branding, advertisement is a very big deal for corporations. So we're on a, an ambassador for several sponsors representing them through the race car. So Kaplan the first year came in and they gave us $4 million, which we passed that out in college scholarships 100% to the wives and children of veterans. Because as you know, as a, as a former veteran, whether you have served or your wife have served or maybe vice versa today, those scholarship programs, people have the VA, they have the benefits, they have the GI Bill. But what does your wife or maybe your wife is serving in your husband's home with kids, you know, what are you doing to better your life? How are you bettering your education? And with so many people transitioning at military base, a good way to get education today is online. So that that year when Kaplan came in, we did four million with them. Last year we did six million dollars in college scholarships. And this year we've partnered with the boot campaign for a program called uh, Get Your Boots On Scholarship Program with Boot Campaign, Kaplan University, and uh, Circuit Racing. So as of right now, uh, between now and um, September 16th, we have 150 partial scholarships and three full scholarships that people can go to the Boot Campaign website. Go look at the scholarship program, and that's all coming through this relationship we formed with Kaplan University. So, it's that that's what the car is all about, and we've got some amazing stories of you know through the years of how many veterans and children have come up to us that their their mom or their dad is serving, and you know we we take the time, and that's really what it's all about. So that's really truly the podium for me. So what are some of the requirements for that? I mean, is it that your parents have to have served or they have to be currently serving? Kind of give us a breakdown as to what it is that entitles you to the the scholarships. So if you go to www.bootcampaign.org backslash KU, that's Kilo Uniform, and that whole application process is on bootcampaign.org's website. Uh, and you fill out that application. But if you are the wife or a child of a veteran, you could fill that out. And we have 150 of those partials and three fulls. And you'll go through an application process. So there are several things that Circuit Racing has set up, not just in the way of scholarship programs. And that's really what this it's, Look, it's, it's Rudy's car. Robert, it's your car. You know, Kate, it's your car. You know, this car is all about the military. It's all about the families. And that's what makes this car so unique compared to a lot of cars you see racing on the track. That's fantastic. I mean, really, the platform that you've got there is spreading the information. You, you couldn't be a better advertisement for military, for veterans, for what it is that you're trying to support. You know, whenever you see NASCAR and you see an Army car, an Air Force car, a Navy car, and those days are kind of gone because they used to run those a lot, or even the National Guard. But, you know, it was really cool because you wanted to, to root for those those drivers and those those cars. The brand, even back in the early days of nascar was very important if you supported the driver of the tide car you went and bought a lot of tide if you were you know somebody that supported a, a driver of another make and model you supported not only maybe the product that they had on the outside but the actual type of car that they drove i think we've kind of got away from that today and of course with less and less funding you know it's very difficult to do that so the fact that you're you're supporting something like military and veterans in a way that doesn't require direct funding from them. 
uh, is tremendous. Right. Yeah. Now we've, we, you know, listen, big, big shout out to the guys at Multicam. You know, Multicam is a very big sponsor of the car. Uh, when we told them about this program four years ago, uh, they really jumped on board as a great sponsor. And we've had multiple sponsors and we continue to see sponsors that are coming on board. I mean, here, here's the way you look at it. You're right. NASCAR has some of the uh, big, large corporate sponsors. And obviously they're in that for the marketing, branding, advertisement. It's great when you start to see them put some programs together. But what Circuit Racing is doing is this is a car where if there's not enough sponsorship dollars, then we fill the gap personally to make sure we can carry that flag high because the, the fact of the matter is we live in America and whether you have pulled the trigger, whether you have served or not, we're all patriots under the United States of America flag. So we all need to support what it is we truly believe in. And for me, it's about what are we doing to give back and how are we really changing the lives of the wives and children of the veterans every day. And that's where circuit racing comes into play. It's not just about racing. It's a lot more than that. Absolutely. So you came into the uh, Marine Corps Reserve in 86, is that right? I joined 1988, and then I got activated for seven months for the first Gulf War from 1990 to 91, and then I got out in 92. What made you want to go into the Marine Corps? I mean, everybody's got kind of a story as to why it is that they came in. What was your story as to why you came in the Corps? I kind of grew up a little bit, you know, like like a lot of people out there. You know, look, I uh, I never met my dad before. Uh, ah, my, my, my mom raised me as, as a single mother. My mom was also gay at the time. So needless to say, uh, I was that kid on the baseball field who had two women sitting in the bleachers. And, uh, you know, it was a different road for me at age 12. I ended up living with my grandparents and bounced around probably about four or five homes during that time frame. And I went to about 11 different schools before the 12th grade. So growing up was a different environment than a lot of children, but there are a lot of kids out there today who have been through these roads. Uh, I ended up wrestling in high school, ended up in college. One thing that I promised my grandfather before he passed away and I was 15 is he said, promise me one thing is that you'll be the first Yano to ever graduate college. So that was a big deal for me was to put myself through college and change. Well, I had two or three roommates in college and there were these two Marines that were in the Marine Corps Reserve. And what I noticed about them was not only how they carried themselves, but how they acted. And what I saw there was the honor, the integrity, the honesty. I saw their their discipline, but it was a, call it a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, but those that have served understand that warriors live by a code, which has always been our slogan for the race team. And it doesn't matter, male, female, we all have chewed that dirt in some way. So I had, met these Marines. I actually contemplated at the time because you saw every running billboard and poster of Navy, Navy SEALs, and I thought that was exciting, but there was just something special about being a Marine. So um, I ended up joining the, the Marine Corps, got pulled out of college to do that, and then went back to college and found out that I could do the reserve program while I was finishing college. And then my junior year of college, they pulled me out for seven months where I went to Iraq, Kuwait, and then came back and finished my last year of college. But the Marine Corps was very uh, was a very big thing for me because it, it gave me that family. It gave me that bond. And, um, you know, that was something that I never had growing up as a kid. So to me, it was very uh, it was very special. How was the transition for you when you came off active duty? Uh, you know, I, I think when I initially came back, I think you have this period of call it uh, detoxing. 
you know, I think everybody handles stress differently. I don't necessarily believe in, in, in the full word of post-traumatic stress disorder because I don't think it's a disorder. I think they need to take the D and throw it away. It's call it post-traumatic stress. You know, I, I didn't really have any of those issues. You know, I think our situation may be a lot different than the war that we are engaged with today and have been. But I think everybody handles things differently. You know, whether it was my childhood, my upbringing, things were different for me. But sitting in class my last year of college, look, I have ADD to begin with. I mean, I own seven businesses. Uh, I have a race team. We have four kids. I mean, there's there's all kinds of chaos going on. So for me, just sitting on this this Skype call for a half hour is a lot for me to sit in my chair, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, but that's like what I'm that, Rudy, you listen, you're spot on. But listen, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, if you're sitting around too long, you know, you got to keep pushing. But it was definitely a transition at first. Look, it's all discipline. You know, you got to get through it and uh, you got to focus your mind right and push through it. You know, Mark, real quick, and Robert, both, and Kat, everything, I find it amazing, everything Mark's talking about goes to the root of every podcast we've had, every major topic, every every uh, show that we've done, he's hitting on every highlight that we've discussed in the past. What makes a successful transition? What makes a successful you know, trans- transition from that military mindset to the business sector? Whether it's owning a race team, you know, multiple businesses, fishing, any of the life coaches, I mean, you name it, everything that we've discussed in the past centers on everything he's talking about. I, I would assume that it has to make sense. <laughs> You're right, Rudy. I mean, it's all the same. The traits and values and experiences that you have from the military is what's really going to benefit you out in the private sector. Because you're going to be able to use and lean on those. And you're probably going to find a lot of like-minded individuals that are veterans as well that you can kind of lean on. I'm sure, Mark, you found that same thing. Hey, Mark, I have a question for you regarding your, you know, how you are so close-knit with your military family. And I'm sure the same goes with your um, your pit crew. Now, did you... So, like, firsthand select those, or were they brought to you, or were they guys you knew? I mean, you guys have to be pretty tight to be successful out there on the track. Yeah, that's a great question. And our operation kind of works like this. We we buy the car, and then there are, let's say, eight different organizations, like a Penske, who you pay to service the car. So they maintain the car. So basically, I fly out of West Palm Beach, Florida, to Austin, Texas. The car is ready for me. The pit crew is there. The race suits in the trailer. I go in the trailer. I look at data. I look at video. We do practice sessions. We come back. We analyze the data. And then from there, the pit crew guys that are there, they're actually based out of Miami, Florida, which is nice for me. And everything is set up in the motorhomes with the trailers, the canopy. I mean, it's it's like a it's almost like a moving circus when you get all these cars moving around. It's, it's if you've never been, it's truly remarkable. I think what's made it unique for me is that when I met the guys, look, I've been one of those guys. I, I started from nothing in life and been able to grow. So no matter how much success you get in life, I always know where I came from. And so I treat people as they should be treated, as I would want to be treated. You know, the picking the crew and picking the team, when I asked Porsche about this, they gave me one team that I told them, listen, if this was your money, where would you go? And this is the organization they put me in touch with, NGT Motorsports out of Miami. So we've been with them for four years, and it's been a great, great relationship. But, you know, I, I want to 
circle back on on Robert's question because I think that's important. You know, one of the things in entrepreneurship and business is that, you know, never let fear stop you from achieving success. And and the key thing is that so many veterans today are coming out of the military and they have such amazing skills. And whether they're hired as an employee, I mean, let's face it, they're on time. They have incredible integrity, great work ethic. They're disciplined. But if you look at the job skills of starting a business as an entrepreneur, veterans have some of the best skills. But so when they get home, being able to go focus on your goal and doing it, that's really the next level of putting that leg over the fence and going after it. And sometimes it might be having a mentor. Sometimes it might be just having a good friend you can lean on. Uh, maybe having the family support behind you that's motivating you and encouraging you and pushing you. But I, I truly believe that veterans today have more experience than they did many years ago. And people are more aware of it than ever before. I mean, listen, we, we've been in a war that's longer than any war we've ever been in. It's obviously cost more than any war we've ever seen in our life. So the job training skills of being out there and being deployed and coming back all that knowledge can be used to become an entrepreneur. And that to me is what's motivating. You know, you can't just stay home, sit on the couch and woe is me and what's gonna happen and rely on other people to support me. You gotta go take it by the neck and go make it happen. You're hitting on everything that actually Griff from Combat Flip Flops talked about as well. And I know you know Griff, he was talking on the same things. He was saying the veteran community is well suited for the transition to becoming an entrepreneur. And mentioned all of the the aspects that you just mentioned, but he also talked about that we've got to start focusing more on the future and not focusing on the past. And as entrepreneurs, uh, it's something that if you're driven and uh, you're always focusing on that vision and that goal and you're leading your team and organizing them towards that vision and that goal, again, applying those military skills towards it. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, I think Matt's absolutely right about that. And I think, first of all, everybody's blood is going to bleed different, right? Um, some people are not going to be a Robert or a Rudy. Everybody's motivation is different. But there is something out there in front of them that is getting them motivated to go do in life. And I firmly believe, and I, I say it again, is that, you know, never let fear stop you from achieving success. My grandfather used to tell me, if you believe in who you are, you will become what you believe. So if you firmly believe you're going to be the best fisherman in the world, the best guide for hunting or the best podcast host in the world or whatever, you will do that if you believe it. And you got to put a support system around you. And what that means is that much like our companies, I have truly amazing people that work for the company. It's not about Mark. I can help guide us. I can help give us the vision. But a leader's job is to serve those around him. And I hire people that are three or four times smarter than me in areas that I'm not. And that's the key to yes. success. Yeah. Hire, hire smart that, people. Surround yourself with them. And you're going to grow from that. And your organization is going to grow as well. Couldn't agree with we you. Said, and, we, and we said this for like six podcasts, I think. But uh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Listen, I'm just I'm just a former Marine. I may not be the <laughs> smartest guy. But one thing I do know how to do is you know how you got to know how to lead it, how to orchestrate it and put it together. And what I don't know, and believe me, I don't know it all. I go hire people or I consult with people who are smarter than me and ask questions because I think the worst thing you could do is 
is hire people and then constrict them to say, hey, you can't be an entrepreneur. I mean, look, give them their left and right limits, let them fall, let them become knowledgeable and let them bring you ideas, constructive or not. But that's what makes a good leader is being able to listen to these ideas and say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. You're right. And let's go try that. And that's what you have to do. I think it's impressive, too, that and it's probably something, again, that you had mentioned that came from your military background is that going in and not just settling on somebody telling you can't do something like buying a, a Porsche and starting a racing team and not even knowing how to drive. You went directly to the top. It's like, who can make the decisions? Who, you know, who are the decision makers here? Uh, because that's right. who I want to speak with. I want to speak with like-minded individuals who know and can understand where it is that I'm headed and help me find the path there. And so that's what you yeah. want to did. Yeah. Now, listen, I, I, I don't really care if you're the CEO of Porsche, Daimler, Chrysler, General Electric. It, at the end of the day, this is the United States of America. You put on your pants just like I do. And I will respect that person when they also respect you. And to me, I have never not had a situation where you couldn't walk into somebody and have a decent conversation with them. If somebody is that far removed they're putting themselves in that position, maybe for their own insecurity. But I think that sometimes it's nice to come down to the levels of saying, hey, look, what can we do to make things better? And that's one thing I tell all the employees that work for me is that just because this office has a door does not mean that they can't come in this door, you know? And there's been times where we'll take the door off. You know, listen, come on in because a good environment is all of us working together. So even though these big corporations are so big, I still believe that you have to get down in the trenches with those that are making you successful. And if you lose sight of the ones that have made you successful, that's a big problem. You yeah. should never, ever lose sight of those that are helping you build a great team. We talked about that a lot with Larry on our last podcast about how it's important to go out there and communicate with them and make sure that they're you're truly communicating the vision, the goals, the mission, the objectives, all that, but you're also actively listening to them. Because as a true leader, if you're not paying attention to some of the troubles and challenges that they're facing and helping them find solutions, then they think you're just there talking. You know, you're not really there to help them. You you have to have tools in place and you have to have the resources to make people know that you're going to help them if they need something. So if somebody needs a better laptop, they need a better computer. I'm not saying that we go out and say, hey, I just saw a new Apple computer with a 20-inch monitor. Let's go buy that. That's not what it is. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's about giving them the resources they need to think as an entrepreneur and never putting a cap over their thought process. You have to let people expand. You know, you don't Look, you, you, you cut the feathers off of a peacock. Guess what? It's still a peacock. Right. You know, yep. so, you know, if you help people, that to me is what's going to make you more successful. Well, and you have to empower them. And it sounds like that's a lot of what you've done as well as given them the opportunity and empowered them to be autonomous in a lot of ways and making decisions within their area of responsibility or at least bringing other things to the table that might help the organization grow. Right. I mean, listen, everybody can take two different roads in life. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of kids out there that may have the same exact story or upbringing that I had. Those people at the end of the day are survivors. And I've interviewed a lot of people at my companies and I've interviewed some of the top guys, whether it's from Harvard, Yale, Oxford, or whether it's from just community colleges, or I've interviewed those that have just military experience that have never went to college. What we look for is personality. 
Do they have a good personality? Are they a people person? Are they on time for work? You know, do they truly, at the end of the day, believe in what they're doing? Do they believe in the vision? And those are the people that I look for. It doesn't matter to me if you have a master's degree or not. I'm one to tell you that, yeah, I finished college and I got a bachelor's. But what I learned through the years is about it's about people. Yeah. It's about relationships. Yes. And that's something that you cannot necessarily teach. You, you have to watch people and learn from that and see why some of the most successful people in the world are successful. They got a great team. They know how to lead. They know how to delegate. They know how to compensate. And they know how to evacuate into things where they need to be. And so, but it's at the end of the day, it's about people and how you treat people. Sounds That's like, important. Sounds like you've also developed kind of a culture within an organization that allows that to grow as well. So you're looking for people that match that culture. You're looking for people who want those opportunities, who understands what that really entails. Um, that you have to be a relationship person. So if you're somebody that's not in that way, more than likely you're not going to find that individual or they're not going to find you because you're not looking for one another. You're really looking for people that have your like-minded skills, I guess, or background. Well, uh, I, I'm not looking for people exactly like me because sometimes two A alphas at the end of the day could butt heads, right? I don't mind the A. Look, I don't need to always be the the uh, the A alpha. I could be the omega. When I walk into business meetings, guess what? Everybody's neutral to me. I don't believe in the whole business cards. Hey, I'm the CEO. I'm the president. I'm at the end of the day. It's about what it is that we need to do to make it better for the employees. What do we need to do to make it better for the veterans? You know, how can we make things different? How can we change in a positive manner? So to me, I think you're right empowering people is not about putting handcuffs on their ankles or their hands and saying, Hey, don't do this. This is my way. That's the wrong way of thinking. You know, it's gotta be a team effort. Everybody's got to whiteboard it. Everybody's got to put it up there and let's objectively look for the holes. And then we can find all the great things that are going to come out of that. How many of the people within your team, uh, your leadership team, have served in the military, and does that really help, or is that really a factor, you think, in making a lot of the decisions and supporting military families and veterans? So, you know, we, we were at one point probably about half. You know, we just got bought out of our company in December. So we, we had a company we started. We used to sell uh, tactical gear to the special operations side of the government. Source One Distributors was the name of the company. So we were working on the, call it the, the soft side of the government, tier one. People refer to it as everything in the world today. You know, it's, uh, it's not as quiet professionals as it used to be, I can tell you that. And Rudy, you would probably know that best, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, you know, ever since Osama bin Laden and the Navy SEAL movies, it's like everybody in the world has become a public speaker and they're writing books. And, you know, listen, I'm all about it. Go get the success that you can go do. But let's just make sure in the process, what are we doing to change lives? How are we reaching backwards and pulling somebody up with your success? Right. So I would say at one point we we're probably half those veterans uh, that were working for the company. But the company recently just got bought out, as I mentioned to you, in December. And so, you know, that's been a very big transition for us. So uh, and it's actually been a very positive handoff. But, you know, we took a company uh, doing around $200 million in revenue in 12 years. And that was all about, again, hiring smart people, good people, 
you know, two people selling lemonade, one's a veteran, one's not, and you're going to go sell on a military base, who are they going to buy from? Yeah, the veteran. You got it. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to know your target. If you're walking into a sales meeting at Office Depot and you're walking in with a, a letterhead or a notepad that says Office Max, do you think you're going to close that deal? Uh, yeah. It's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know? So if you've got a sponsor and you're getting ready to go on television and you're sponsored by somebody, whether it's a T-shirt or a hat, and you have a competitor product on, I mean, so, and, and this all gets back to basic 101, you know, is know your market and know how to sell and understand people. You know, corporate ambassadors, you know, big corporations, they want somebody who's the face of the company that's going to protect their brand, but yet can carry themselves in a professional manner to their culture. And that's just really what it's all about. Absolutely. I can pluck in my heartstrings with the uh, with the corporate sponsorship uh, discussions because we go through that. You know, we've got a team that, uh, quite like yourself, you know, we represent special ops survivors and, and we have a fishing team sponsored by them and fish for that team. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've acquired all these sponsors over the last couple of years and, and I'm having to sit down and mentor these guys and show them, hey, take the Oakley sunglasses off. We're not sponsored with Oakley when you're taking a picture. You know, if you want to wear them, fine, but yeah. media, you know, yeah. come on, at least put, yeah. the, put the hat on, put the... Put the right yeah. glasses on. Put your uniform on, and uh, it's uh, that's important, man. You gotta you gotta be able to follow through with that. You know, Rudy, you're spot on because yeah. it's the attention to detail. And again, you know, Absolutely. we we all have heard that. Cats heard it. Roberts heard yeah. it. You've heard it. Attention to detail, right? It's like having the Irish pennant on you. You know, that's right. and that's just basic one-on-one -on -one stuff. But our job as a leader is to teach our team to say, "Hey, look, we got corporate sponsors." You know, today I, I you know we have four kids. I tell my kids all the time, and they range from my daughter's 18 to my son's 16. We have another son, nine. We have one, seven. I said, the kids today have gotten so smart because of Snapchat, Instagram, yep. Twitter, Facebook. You know, look, I'm 47 years old. The, the days where you would have to pick up a payphone and put 10 cents in it, <laughs> you know, and you would leave the house, and they didn't know where you were at, but you're riding your yep. bicycle to go get a soda or to go down to, you know, go get lunch. Your parents at that point of the day, they didn't know where the heck you were at. Today, if they can't reach you by text message or phone, they think you're dead, yeah, you know, yeah. or, hey, what happened? But I tell my kids all the time, whatever you post on social media, understand that you can't erase that. And if, yeah, you, think, if you think Snapchat, which is those small little videos, uh, they just delete. The fact of the matter is they're held somewhere until right. a subpoena needs it. So you got to be careful. Uh, but kids have gotten so smart today, and I think we as parents today – or as former veterans, you know, we need to be sharper to the fact that one day you're going to sit across the table from a, a cat or a Robert or a Rudy looking for a job. And the first thing he's going to do is going to pick up his phone and he's going to start looking through social media to see what kind of pictures you're yep. posting. Exactly. the first. <laughs> and that's the world we live in today. I mean, you think about human resources and, uh, you know, recruiting and, and all of that. They're doing the exact same thing. They're looking at social media. They're trying to figure out who Mark is before you ever come in the door. You talked about how... Porsche sized you up and they got an opportunity to know more about your background than probably even you did when you walked in the door. Well, they're going to go to all of those yeah, various sources impressive. to be able to do that. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things a lot of kids today don't think about because they, they don't. They, I, I just went through that yesterday, Robert. I fired a guy. I brought him onto the pro staff, give, you know, giving him a chance, a high school kid. You know, and Mark, I'm the same way, man. I'm a big philanthropist. I love giving as much as I can give. Yeah, that's I, awesome. I sponsor, I sponsor with my with my custom fishing rods. I sponsor a lot of a lot of youth. You know, I'm, I'm very active in trying to get the the youth interested in, in the sport of fishing. 
And um, so I've, I've built some pretty nice custom fishing rods. And um, this, this young man reached out to me from high school, you know, repping his uh, high school team. And he sold me a good story. And uh, the first thing I did, you know, I brought him on board kind of as, as a preliminary trial. And the first thing I did was was start hitting his social media. And I'm looking and I'm looking at everything he's doing. And it, this guy was a clown. You know, he was, yeah. he was a, a complete fake. And uh, he had some pretty raunchy pictures on social media. And I was like, man, I'm sorry, buddy, but... It, you're not the kind of guy that I need representing my brand. You know? Yeah, not- you know, character, character, Rudy, is so important. And really today in this society, it's about looking at somebody in the eye, shaking their hand, and if you're going to go out Friday and Saturday night and go get drunk and hang out with your friends and your new employer is going to see that, well, you got to think for a second you're probably going to be late to work Monday morning. <laughs> But, you know, if you're an ambassador and you have sponsors, you know, how you yeah. carry yourself, how you represent yourself is equally as important. That's right. So, you know, so many of our military veterans that are coming out that are looking for jobs, that, that are wanting to become entrepreneurs, I would say focus as much attention on what it is you're good at. Believe in yourself and go make it happen because right. it will happen. That's right. Mark, I think it, it was, it's just really important, like you said, especially with the social media aspect. Like, I have three young girls, six, uh, my youngest turned two, and a three-year-old. And for me, like, I'm just trying to get out there to assist veterans and be an advocate for veterans. And, I mean, how terrible for, you know, the people that do fake the funk, that have young children, that these young children then go to social media who feel like they're empowered by this in, this person and their total fraud, you know? And it kind of like, right. it's like also looking up to somebody as well as the people that are trying to get out there into the business. So yeah, it's, I, social yeah. media is your worst enemy. <laughs> you're powerful ally if you're using it right though. <laughs> yeah, if you're using it right, then absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I On that same note, Kat, I, this is no kidding. So last night I was reading something and I was reading this thing and it said, a true leader is not the one with the most followers, but the one who creates the most leaders. So I really right. thought that was yeah. very interesting that people today want to try to gain as much traction on social media as they can. And I understand that if you have a corporation or if you have a brand, but the world is not about being a popularity contest. you know. And, and that's the thing that whether somebody has you know, if you look, look at the Kim Kardashians of the world and that you go look at some of the veterans that are the true heroes, you know, there, there's a very disconnect sometimes in our society about what we look up to as idols and uh, what are the heroes and how are we looking up to them? You know, you look at the great things that so many of our heroes and each one of you have served, but this is America. And I really, truly believe it is our job to take care of the patriots, whether they pulled the trigger or not. If you're living in America, you're a patriot. And in some capacity, you are helping the veterans that are coming home. Look what happened in World War II. How many people went back to work? The moms that were home working in the factories. So many people were helping during that time. I just think that we have to go back and reconnect with some of the values and the morals that we have and then empower our children. And Kat, in your case, three daughters that are going to be three women one day. You know, teach them the values that are the most important for them as they get older. So, you know, I, I think that's that's where we need to go. But the social media side is very dangerous as well. Most definitely. So when you're looking at building your racing team, what are the, some of the things that you've taken from the military and in leading them 
that you found most beneficial? Is it just, you know, the leadership styles that you've learned and the traits and the relationship building? Or is there something more to that? Because in racing teams, as we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, they're very much structured like the military. They have like a military type mindset in that every person has an individual function, uh, a role of responsibility. And without that, you're not going to be successful. How do you kind of bring them together? And especially since a lot of them are civilians and have not served within the military how have you helped them become successful as a racing team? So, you know, when we got into the race series with EMSA, there really is not a program out there that was helping the military, you know, and EMSA is now run by a bigger organization. Now NASCAR owns EMSA. NASCAR has their own great programs and they do several different things, but I call them uh, EKGs, you know, what's consistent. And that's where circuit racing, we said, if we're doing this, we're going to be consistent and this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to give the corporations what they want, marketing, branding, advertisement. But we also would like them to come and help the veterans. And what can we do to empower more people to help? So with the sport of motorsports being what it is because it's such huge marketing, we actually, through our series, have met so many great entrepreneurs, very successful drivers, you know, when you can sit down in a motorsports track and you're meeting some of the top CEOs of major corporations, we're all sitting there like in a Sunday barbecue sometimes when we have downtime. You don't have access to some of these very successful people. You go try to call the office and you got to go through 10 secretaries to finally get to the CEO or the president. In the motorsports side, when you're racing with them, look, you come to find out they're just like you and I. There is no difference but they also want to be treated with respect as well. So we met a gentleman by the name of Dan. Dan's out of Colorado. I'll hold his last name for now. Very successful man. And we told him about our program. Come to find out that he was former Army. And he says to me, you know, Mark, uh, I love what you're doing at Circuit Racing. I like to help. And so I told him, I don't need your money. I said, but why don't we do something together? And he said, look, I've made all of my money owning medical buildings. And he owns a lot of medical buildings in Colorado. So we set up an endowment at FSU. And the reason why we chose FSU, not because I'm a, an, an, a fan, <laughs> it's just because they have a huge veteran program. And they're actually one of the top 10 if you look at the military veteran programs. We set up the endowment. So if you, wanna, if you are a former military veteran, and you want to go to become a nurse, we will help pay for that program. And that endowment is set up at Florida State University. We also brought Boot Campaign into a few different races. Uh, I met Boot Campaign at the time through former Governor Rick Perry, who had introduced me to their program. And Boot Campaign is really doing some amazing things, promoting patriotism, creating awareness, providing financial assistance, they are truly giving back 83 cents on every dollar. It's very important for us with our reputation, as you see today with so many nonprofits, everybody's seen the recent news going on with some of the larger nonprofits, not to mention names. But through that motorsport side, we had what was called Faces of Our Freedom, where we brought some veterans to the racetrack. We got them there for three days. We got the race car drivers to buy boots which is the, the mission of boot campaign. And we did a huge photo with the veterans. We had a three day experience. We got to come in the pits. They got to walk the track. 
they got to see camaraderie, teamwork, and it brought them out of that place mentally where they may have been to realize that, hey, you know, there's a whole other side here. But that's what it takes is to get out and experience this this deal. Boot campaigns now got a new item out there now with with the sunglasses, you know, freedom frames. How do you view your freedom? You know, that they have so many cool programs in place, and that's one of the organizations. And at a full disclosure, I sit on boot campaigns board. Uh, I've looked at, I've sat on some other nonprofit support. And the reason why I picked Boot Campaign to sit on their board is I saw what they were doing. And I said, you know, I can help. I can help grow the nonprofit. And we've been really blessed to see how many lives we've been able to change. So, and that's, of course, where we're doing the scholarship program. But there's been a lot of great stories, Robert, in regard to how many kids have come up to the race car. Their dads are serving. I sat them in the race car. I mean, there's been times where I had 30 minutes before my race and the pit guys are going crazy and I got little kids bouncing around the race car <laughs> and we had to make sure they're not pushing the wrong button, you know. But listen, awesome. that, that that's the podium for me. That's what it's about. Absolutely. I mean, your logo is very distinct as well because it's a, it's a soldier or a military person, you know, saluting. So it's easy to identify. Yeah. It's, it's not something right. that's hard. You know it's out there. Really You're going to love this. You're going to love it. I'll make it quick. But. I don't know if you can see our, our former logo was circuit racing. And if you notice, it's a guy or a girl, but I believe this one's a guy and he's holding a gun. Yeah. Okay. Well, of course, one of our sponsors, uh, you know, you got to have the attorneys, right? You just, they're, they're, they're good and they're bad, but you know, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank God for attorneys. And he's like, uh, I think it might be a good idea that we change the logo because we can't have our logo next to somebody holding a gun. And I said, I got it. I got it. So we changed the logo to the saluting soldier, which you see now. Uh, and our card number is card number 22. Because of 22 suicides a day, we want to create more awareness. So that logo, you made me laugh when you said that because uh, we went through a lot of pain to finally change that logo and to get it right. And God forbid a soldier so ever has a weapon in his hand. That's just a, that'd be a terrible I, thing. Listen, <laughs> at, at, the, at, the end of, at the end of the day, I'm okay changing the logo as long as we don't change the mission. Right. And that was the key. It's still very identifiable because, you know, it looks like they got a Kevlar or, you know, a helmet on. And so, of course, you can see definitely it is a soldier. And it's large enough on the door then on the hood and such that you can identify with it for sure. Right. Great story, though. I didn't didn't realize there was a backstory to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's always a backstory to everything, though. Yeah, Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it really is. I, for one, man, I, for one, respect the hell out of what you're doing, brother. And uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. And, and a salute goes out to you directly from me. Um, Thank you, Rudy. If, if, other, if other people watch it, we, we reach out and touch a lot of people with this podcast. If someone else wanted to get involved, if someone else wanted to uh, support uh, your cause and what you're, what you're working towards, how would they – how could someone go about doing that? Just go to the Circuit Racing website, S-E-R-K-E-T, circuitracing.com. There's a contact us section there. Send us an email. Let us know. They can also help support us uh, just by putting it out through social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram. Uh, let your friends know. Let your family know about what Circuit Racing is doing. I mean, you know, the whole, the whole great thing about – us Americans in general is that we support each other and that's what makes this program so unique. So, uh, wow, you know, any, any kind of support like that is great. You know, corporations, uh, you know, listen, we always love the corporation side of it. 
because from the the angle, a lot of corporations have veteran programs, but how how are they truly making a difference? How are they impacting that? So what I think we give these corporations is what they want, marketing, branding, advertisement. But what we want is to say, okay, what pocket of dollars can we use or what can we do maybe in in-kind donations that we can give through circuit racing to help change lives? And that's really how people can help. And I appreciate you saying that. You know, salute right back at you, Rudy. If somebody knows of somebody that needs assistance and that your corporation or nonprofit could help them, how would they go on the website also to help? What's your vetting process for that? If they uh, there's a vet in need. Just right. just to be clear, Circuit Racing is not a nonprofit, but we work with Boot Campaign, which is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I, I should I should say. We, we are for profit, but we don't make money. So at the end of the day, we probably are negative. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's just the way motorsports is. And, you know, Robert's laughing because he knows it's all about working with a sponsor. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they can go through um, boot campaign if they're looking to help. Um, you know, and, and, and don't let me just there are some great nonprofits out there. Uh, I use boot campaign because obviously I sit on the board with them. But I will tell you, look, F- Fisher House is doing a great thing out there. Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation. There's some great programs out there as well. Uh, Special Operations uh, uh, Wounded Warrior, SOWW. Uh, they do a lot for the soft community of the Army. So there's Lone Survivor. You know, there's some programs out there. I know that I, I've seen uh, with the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Navy SEAL Museum. Uh, we've also worked with those guys. Uh, they're very good. There is something out there called Charity Navigator, and I highly recommend that before anybody ever donates any money, to the 48,000 plus nonprofits that seem to be out there now that are uh, helping military veterans, I would recommend people go to Charity Navigator, look at the rating, read up on them, because that's important. Don't just take my word for it or my opinion. You know, we've done our own vetting process with our own attorneys and our own accountants to find the ones that we believe are giving, you know, 80, 80% or north of that. So there's some really good ones out there as well. But uh, we have found Boot Campaign. Uh, we like their program. We like the mission. We like what they're doing. And so that's why we, we are working with them. Awesome. Good deal. Well, Mark, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and especially talking about not only team building and how you're doing that successfully, but as well, the organizations that you're supporting, how you're supporting the veterans, what you do on a daily basis and uh, just being an entrepreneur and leading by example. Really appreciate you coming on and doing that. Well, thank you, Robert. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate your listeners for listening. You guys have a great week and, a, and an awesome weekend. And uh Let's go see if we can change some lives in the process. There you go. Awesome. awesome. Right on. Yeah. Be sure to follow uh, Mark's uh, team on IMSA Racing. Again, it's uh, number 22. Subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave us a rating if you're on there on iTunes. Uh, give us your comments as well. Follow us on Twitter at Mentors4Mill. That's the number 4Mill. And for Mark, the Twitter is at Circuit Racing. Mine is just the uh, on Twitter at Mark Yano, L-L-A-N-O. Good deal. Thank you so much again, Mark. For Rudy, for Kat, I'm Robert. Y'all have a good one. Thank you.